Welcome. We are a mother-daughter podcast about all things surrogacy. Together, we have brought eight beautiful babies into this world, and we would like to share our knowledge of surrogacy with those who want to educate themselves on the topic. This is Stop, Sit, Surrogate. Opposite surrogate with Kennedy and Ellen. Today we are speaking with three lovely women and we're going to let them introduce themselves. Oh, my name is Rachel, second time surrogate, uh, mother to two, wife, well technically mother to four if you count my dog and my husband, but oh. um, other than that, <laughs> yeah. Hi, my name is Lauren. Um, I'm a two-time surrogate. Um, I actually just gave birth to twins um, back in November. Um, I'm also a mom of two. I'm also a wife. Um, and I'm currently in school, um, for nursing and I own a business. Oh my gosh, you? girl, doing it all. Awesome. Awesome. Hi. Sorti. I'm in Texas, Austin. I am a mom of two, single, divorced. Um, so I'm not a wife. Sorry. And, uh, what else? I'm a first time surrogate. Just had my surrogate babe four weeks ago. Oh my gosh. How are you yeah. feeling? Today was my first day back to work. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> You're here with us. <laughs> busy Thanks day. for coming on, ladies. Wow. Oh my gosh. Some busy people out there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And Lauren, how, how are you feeling? I know, yeah. I know a little bit about your story. November. Um, I'm a lot better now. Um, <laughs> my mental health is still a little shaky sometimes but my physically i am perfectly fine now okay <laughs> good good okay um rachel i'm kind of like lost in the dark here so i'm gonna i'm gonna let you go i'm gonna let you yeah. i'm gonna let you bring um, up start it really i kind of just wanted to do this podcast to bring awareness for us of women of color and not just of color not just um surrogates but also ivf warriors as well because it's like they're kind of like just like in the dark and I feel like it's when you search certain things um online even TikTok Instagram stuff like that um you you don't see us so I just want to bring awareness because my first journey going into this I was like okay not many women of color out there. Yeah. So I was yeah. kind of just like in the dark, really, you know? And then after being on this journey for so long and going on my second journey, I get messages all the time. Like, thank you so much for sharing your journey. Thank you for being a voice. And yeah. it means a lot. Cause I feel like sometimes when you post on social media and stuff like that, you don't feel like you're doing enough or not showing up enough. And it really just like kind of like hit home for me. I don't know how it feels for Lauren or Demarice, but that's how I kind of saw it. So it was kind of like, you know, like, do I speak up or do I kind of just share my story in a way? Like, it's kind mm -hmm. of it's kind of hard because I know I know also a lot of surrogates don't share their journeys either. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of like, especially if they don't see someone like them sharing their journey mm -hmm. so it's kind of just like mm, 
what do I do? What do I do? Type of thing, you know? Yeah. I saw that even with, um, for me, I guess I didn't realize it was that bad until I had already, you know, started my process. And then I was just looking up things on YouTube. And then uh, one that sticks out to me is Tamara Hall, you know, the lady with the talk show. And she did a segment where she was talking about her IVF experience and how when she would go to the IVF clinic, she was always the only black person and and just uh, the treatment, how different it is. Uh, and for her, she recognized how privileged she is because she has money, right? Yeah. But um, but she recognized that it's a realm that even people were giving her comments, even her own family members, like, oh, you're doing surrogacy? That's for white people. You know, those are comments she would get. Huh. And, um, but it is, and then uh, there's an IP, a black IP that I follow. And she had, she's used... She, for, with her two babies, she's had them by surrogacy, and uh, and her experience matters. They were a little different. She definitely could see how in every doctor's appointment, she, there was the assumption that she was either going to be the doula or the nanny, and yes, she was the intended parent. And and she does have some videos that she shares. I think her name is Aqua Ankara, and she she's very vocal too. But her experience was that, you know, there needs to be more sensitivity, more awareness. And uh, but and the and the lay assumption that black people don't suffer from infertility, which comes from the historic, you know, slave, um, slave mentality, right? Where they were being bred to produce. So so even up to this day, people don't think, oh, infertility can affect black people too, because people are like, oh, well, they have so many kids. But it is one of those insensitive, inaccurate um, assumptions. And so with the surrogacy, I can see how if there's any black surrogate out there, many do not share their experience because of even just the backlash from the immediate family and not even the outside world, just because of what people perceive of that. And and, uh, Rachel, for me, I always say I kind of fall at an advantage because I'm African, mm. you know, so I don't have, it's, it's, it's unfortunate to say, but I don't have that historical experience to draw from oh. while, while the African-Americans that are here in America, they still, you know, would still think of that immediately. Like, oh, wait a minute, you're caring for a white couple, you, you know, things like that. And um, so it is, it is definitely a much needed conversation um, in that realm, not just for IVF, but also for the intended parents and surrogates. So when I, when I created my Instagram and I discovered the Rachels of this world, I was excited. (laughs) I love that. I wrote down like 18 questions, but Lauren, you can chime in before I like start asking away. (laughs) And I have one before you start too, Kim. Okay. Well, I was just going to say, my I can say my experience has been kind of like a mixture of both of what they just said. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as my first time being a surrogate, I did a lot of research online mm-hmm. trying to find other surrogate journeys to follow. And being Black, I was looking for other Black surrogates because mm-hmm. yeah. it, it is a different experience for us. So I wanted to see one of my own people and how they went through the journey, what questions they asked, you know, how 
it affected them. And I was only really able to find, I think maybe two people. Um, and one of them, her journey ended early because they ended up finding like she had like a blood clotting condition um, mm-hmm. during the process. So, I mean, honestly, her trying to be a surrogate saved her life. Right. Um, wow. And the other was Harmony. Um, and me and her have become like close friends um, since. I did I- find Harmony on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me and her have become close friends since. So it's like, I do have, you know, somebody who. I did have, you know, I was able to ask questions too and things like that. And then um, I think it was, I don't remember if it was during my first journey or the second one that I found Rachel, <laughs> but um, me and her have been following each other for a while too. And just like following each other's journey, cheering each other on. And then kind of the same thing, like when, as a black surrogate, as soon as, you know, someone hears that you're a surrogate, the first question they ask is what race is the couple? And you're kidding. Why? Yeah. That's mind blowing to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, it, it's usually one of the first questions that I get asked, whether it's from my family or just people that I'm talking to. Um, Do you all answer that question? Well, see, for me, it's usually, I, I think, with the African perspective, a lot of my in the Kenyans will ask me, oh, so is they just assume the baby is going to be mixed. I'm like, well, no, the baby is 100% oh. white. And then, of course, now the barrage of questions begin, and then I have to take them to biology class every time. Oh, every time. <laughs> but <laughs> for me, it really just depends on who. Not even who, how you ask. It. Okay. okay. Fair. Yeah. Did Fair. you ask it in a tone or like in a way that was you are genuinely curious? Mm-hmm. Or are you trying to fill out a situation? It's judging. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. That's really disheartening mm-hmm. that it's even it could even be asked in a different tone. Like I I'm just but you have to remember it's right a now. concept that really um it, it's not common in our community, like where you have assisted assisted reproduction, even IVF alone, Rachel and Lauren, you might agree with me. Black people oftentimes they just suffer through infertility and they live childless. But they don't think of that as an option for them. Why? Many of them. Um, not just the cost effectiveness, but the culture that if you don't carry it, it's not yours. Oh, okay. Okay. And for me, I, I know it's really bad in Kenya, much as IVF has really picked up since 2007 when it was legalized. Um, even now, when people adopt a child, no matter if they were newborn and they've been raising it, the, that child will be reminded you are not, you do not belong, you are bought, or yeah, it is horrible. So the adopted kids usually have a really hard time. So the people that do surrogacy in Kenya, it's totally secretive, very taboo. People don't talk about it. Um, somebody just says, oh, they've gone to Nairobi, they've gone to the city, and then next year they show up with the baby. Oh, I had a baby. Mm, no, you had it by surrogacy. But people don't talk about that, and that's why for me, my journey is very exciting, sharing that and the platform that I'm on. I've had a lot of Kenyans in Kenya that follow me, and so it's eye-opening that, wait a minute, genetically it's your baby, but somebody else didn't carry it. You know, you just didn't carry it. Somebody yeah. else carried it for you. But I think it's just that mindset that if I don't experience the pregnancy, then it's not it's not going to be the same. I'm not going to have the parental, you know, the maternal instinct. Uh, but for the IVF, uh, Rachel, wouldn't you agree? Most of it is really economics. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's like I was adopted. So it's like I have a great bond with my mom. Like 
me and her like this. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. I was about to say my saying, but I can't say it on here, so I'm not gonna say it. But <laughs> you're good. We are we are really, really close, you know. And I was like, even when we moved here to Nevada, I was like, Mom, you coming with me, girl. She's like, but I was like, nope, it's time for you to retire. You're gonna do your diamond art all damn day and you coming with us. Like it's and it's just really like building that relationship with that child whether however it comes whatever because I've seen I've seen couples you know and it's really sad I've seen couples adopt like white couples adopt black kids and they always get that so how do you do their hair how do you do yeah you know and that's really sad Mm -hmm. it's worse when a black couple adopts a white cat it's horrible for them the experience, oftentimes, I see it will pop up on Instagram. Sometimes people talking about their experience, like mm-hmm. why would you, as a black person, take in a foster kid that's white or mm-hmm. things like that? It, it's I, I see that all the time on the feeds. It'll come up. Uh, people talking about their experiences. Um, so it's just a lack of for me. Uh, I I don't want to say is it ignorance or just lack of education, lack of education, understanding. Yeah. yeah. So. But- and so that's why speaking up uh, on these topics is really helpful for somebody that might be blissfully ignorant. Yeah. Yeah. My yeah. husband um is also adopted um and his adoptive family is white. He himself is half black, half white and all of his adopted siblings well when they were younger all of them were like clearly black kids. Um so it was like for his mom it was kind of the same situation where they would go Mm -hmm. out places and nobody would assume that they were all together or Mm -hmm. like she would get very like judgy looks whenever she was like at the playgrounds and things like that with them or like you can kind of she like you can kind of tell that people were trying to like figure out like what's the connection here are you the nanny are you the yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so it's like like they were saying like it's just blissful ignorance you know people just because they don't see it all the time mm-hmm. you know we do see it you just I don't know I guess you can't help but to question what's yeah. going on and well, so that's why I think it's really important as black yeah. surrogates that we you know are open about our journeys and what we're doing to just try to help normalize you know mm-hmm. that we do exist this does happen and even just speaking into infertility in the black community like a lot of people will just assume like they were saying they, they assume they can't afford it and just suffer through infertility right. and mm. not so even true. thinking about the fact that some of the intended parents are taking out loans to yeah. be able to do this yeah. so like just because yeah. they're of a different race doesn't mean that they could even afford to do this right they just took those extra steps but for us it's like it stops there because we've also, you know, economically been told, you know, don't take on more money than you can handle. So it's like taking out that much money in a loan just doesn't feel like it's something that we can do. Yeah. But even in the healthcare realm, I'm in healthcare myself, and there was a webinar that was focused on doctors, but nurses could sign up to, to listen in. And they were discussing, um, infertility in minority groups and it was interesting to me and I love that the doctors were just consciously aware of it we have to treat them it's 
it's, it's not going to be the same, the same, you know, everybody's not going to be the same. And so they were talking about the fertility rates and um, patients being treated for infertility and mm -hmm. how they could promote their ability to build their families out without the cost of IVF and just handling their cases in a different way. Like, well, that should be the basis for everybody in the first place. But because they cannot just say, oh, you have to go see an IVF doctor. Well, they can't mm -hmm. afford an IVF doctor. The, mm -hmm. insurance, the insurance, if they have, doesn't have fertility benefits, right? Mm -hmm. So so just, um, but it was amazing how they approached this cohort of patients. And in two years, I think 70% or more had been able to conceive. And um, oh, just yeah. because of different approaches to healthcare, because many times your OB, you tell them two years you've been trying, and they just send you to an IVF doctor automatically, right? Mm -hmm. And what does an IVF doctor do? Are they going to say, oh, let's do holistic. Let's do this. Let's change right. your diet. They're not. No. They're going to put you on a protocol right away. It's going to be $35,000 for a cycle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it is, uh, it's amazing how mm. uh, the positive outcomes that could happen if everybody thought, okay, um, let's see the patient holistically as a person and not just as a group like kind of yeah. tracking on that because I have a question that can kind of go in like seeing them as a person right seeing seeing you guys as people I hear I've heard this a couple times and you had one of you have just mentioned it the treatment the treatment is different what do you what can you elaborate like why is Never the treatment <laughs> I already got a story uh oh okay can when I, I was, is the treatment for women of color is different? Period. In the OB or OB healthcare. In yeah. healthcare. In healthcare. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Healthcare in general. Okay. So I was pregnant with my kids, right? I had okay. a white doctor. No offense, y'all. No, no offense. Um, I had a white doctor. She wasn't even a doctor. I think she was like one of those like dad, nurse, MP. nurse something. Nurse yeah. Practitioner. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I told her, you know, oh, I'm not feeling good. She's like, oh, just blow it off, blah, blah, blah. Have my my first surrogacy journey. I had an actual doctor. Come to find out she was black. I was shook to the core. I felt heard. I felt seen. She listened to what I was saying. And we had good conversations. Like with my with my kids, it was short, 10 minutes. That was it. This doctor, totally different. Not just because I was carrying someone else's kids or it was twin pregnancies or whatever. It was, she was listening to me and it felt really good. And it's like, you don't think that nurses and doctors and stuff treat black women differently, but they do. I even posted a video on Instagram of a nurse who even said, I treat my black, black. patients differently. I like, she that. was like- yeah. So, and I was just like, it's amazing to hear and not think that we're crazy and that she, she acknowledges it. Why? Because we can say it. There is an assumption. Well, um, for her, it was mostly pain management and listening. And she used Serena Williams as an example. Uh, when Serena was complaining that she was short of breath, that she was having headaches, that she was having all these, you know, vague symptoms, the nurses ignored her for over 12 hours. They just talked it to the epidural. And she said, no, something is not right. It wasn't until I think her husband spoke up and said, something has to be done. They did a CT and she had a massive PE. She almost died. 
uh, pulmonary embolism. Like embolism, yeah. But yeah, and she almost died. But then if her white husband hadn't been there to advocate for her, yeah. they would probably have ignored her the entire night and she would have died. My mom had a PE after surgery and she was in ICU for a whole week. So it's a serious, it's almost a near fatal condition. Yes. And uh, pain management is what that lady that Rachel shared also talks about. When a black woman says they're in pain, um, it seems to be, and it's very, most of the time it's very unconscious. They don't recognize it. Um, it's not handled the same way. I'm a nurse. And I was blissfully ignorant when I moved to Texas because in Kansas, I worked in a bougie little hospital. Yeah. Um 99% of the patients were white. It was mostly cosmetic surgeries, you know, boob jobs, lipos, and the second half was hips and knees. So when I moved to Austin, I had a patient and she and he told me, I want you to pay attention to all your six patients tonight. And then in the morning, come back to me and tell me how their pain management differs. And this is a guy that was a paraplegic, PhD prepared guy, was in an accident many years ago. And uh, every time he comes to the hospital, they discontinue all his pain medications because it is the big guns. It is Demerol. It is morphine. You know, the big oh, pills, the heavy ones that people, when they hear it, they start judging you that you're an addict, you know. Addict. But this is his pain management regimen. But every time he gets admitted, they discontinue everything and they give him an itty bitty dose of Dilaudid over his IV. So, um, and the reason that conversation came up is because I had called the doctor for him to get some more pain medicine. He was miserable. And the doctor increased it by like, doubled it up, but it came to a dose where, wait, I give people two milligrams. You're giving him one milligram. This is an over 200 pound guy, you know? Mm -hmm. So in the morning when I went back to him and, and I was in tears because I had a homeless guy, white, that had broken his thumb so he can come and get pain medicine. And he had the morphine pain pump, the one that he presses on demand. Yeah. yeah. Because he broke his thumb to get, um, to get pain medicine. And then we had another one that was getting morphine about every four hours, two milligrams for something very, not to diminish his pain, but it was very minor compared to this paraplegic who had a big old wound, yeah. you know, and he's suffering. And him, he's getting 0 0.5, really? So so it was definitely a learning um, opportunity for me. And from then on, every time I saw a discrepancy, I'm like, wait a minute, this is happening. I need this. You know, the I tell the doctors what I need because you can't tell me Tylenol is going to fix this person's mm. pain post-surgically. Mm -hmm. when you can order oxycodone for him to use, you know? So things like that, but it's always very race specific when you look at it. Like, why is it that, and then of course, I always remember my experience when I first checked in for um, my induction with my first daughter, with my first, uh, my first child, I only have one daughter, but I was, I had been laboring at home from five, actually it was my son, from 5.30 till midnight. Then, of course, I went to triage at midnight. I'm checking in. I'm not cool. Uh, my then husband, we're just talking, but I know my pain. I'm, I'm in pain, right? So when I was on the line, the lady that was checking me in was like, can I check in the lady behind you first? It was, it was, it was a Mexican lady, and she was very dramatic, and, she was, and she's in pain. She's in labor. Just like me, but the way she expresses her pain is different from the way I do. Mm -hmm. So I asked the lady, what makes you think 
I'm not in pain and you want to check this lady in before me. And yet I've been here on the line. And she got uncomfortable. I was like, you know what, check her in. So she said, and they were talking Spanish. I have been forever, can't speak a lick of Spanish yet. Um, so they're speaking Spanish. She got checked in. And then I got checked in. I was dilated five. I'm in active labor, you know. And 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 I talked to the manager that uh that following day. Like I, I work in this hospital, <laughs> so I knew the managers, right? So I'm like if this is how we treat our patients when they come in, she assumed that I was not in pain because I was smiling and I'm walking and I'm not just causing a scene, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's those little things that happen in the healthcare system that makes actually people not want to go to hospital, you know, know, to, Mm -hmm. to get the care because the care that they will get is not going to be fair. It's not going to be equitable. Mm -hmm. Subpar, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my my OB-GYN is white, and the two times I was pregnant with my keepers, she was also pregnant. So we had a very good rapport, very good. So I had a good experience with my doctor, and even when I went to check in for the uh, for the surrogate baby, um, I I did not. <laughs> I'm the one. My friends will warn the nurses that, oh, I'm sorry for you. The nurse is your patient. Like. <laughs> You know, I will speak up. I will Good. speak up. You know, I will speak up. The nurse was like, "Oh, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this." And I'm like, "No, this is what you're going to do." You know, is Go that ahead. is that something in your culture that was taught? Don't speak up. Don't complain. Or is it just I'm I I'm being naive. I don't know. It is it or no? For me, it's the opposite. My mom has always told me if you're feeling some type of pain and they're not taking you seriously, be dramatic. Good. Even if, you know, your pain is, you know, at a seven, even if that doesn't have you like screaming and crying or something. You have to exaggerate it in order to be hard sometimes. Interesting. Probably. Mm -hmm. For me, being from Kenya, I wasn't in Kenya long enough to experience the healthcare. I was 19 when I left Kenya, but I think 19 or 20. Um, But even now when my dad was sick, or whenever my mom is sick, when they go to the the culture there is you don't question the doctor. Mm. You know, like half the time I will ask, okay, which medication did they give you? Oh, they said just to take this. I'm like, but you question them here. You, I, right? I so, see. That's my thing. I don't because I feel like oh. they should know mm, and sure. they should treat me equally. Mm-hmm. But what the if same. they aren't? What if they aren't treating but, you equally? But you wouldn't know. Right, you wouldn't know exactly. But now, but now I do because you've seen it. I've seen it. I went through it. I know the difference now. But if you're just being treated the same the whole time, you're like, okay, I guess this is how it is, and I'm just, you know what I mean. So it's just kind of like, well, no, I don't know what you mean because I think that's the dumbest thing ever. That like you guys don't get equal treatment. I like you're still human beings. Yeah, you have to literally, you have to live through it. Like I say, like with surrogacy, you we all say you, we can't describe how it feels unless right, you, you go it. through it and you have that's to go it. through it and live in the moment of it. And that's what it is. It's, you know? Yeah. yeah. So. so far for my surrogacy journey, it's been a blessing, even with my, you know, with my friends in the healthcare setting. I haven't had any negative experience. 
uh, it's been a lot of great support for me. Like, oh my gosh, we're the first surrogate we've ever met, you know? And mm -hmm. then to follow this from the beginning to the end, they have never seen anything like it. Like, wait a minute, you just gave the baby away? I'm like, well, no, I give the baby back, you know, things right. like that. Right, yeah. Exactly. So even even today, a, a friend of mine called me. She was in a party, and people are talking about Demaris and her surrogacy journey. And so for me, it's been amazing opening mm -hmm. up people's eyes. And mm -hmm. I haven't gotten any negative, which I honestly expected. Being from Kenya, and Kenya with homosexuality being illegal according mm -hmm. to the constitution, um, I honestly expected a lot of attacks on me for caring for a gay couple because I never hid from the beginning I never hid that it was for two dads mm -hmm. and um, shortly after I got pregnant I did a live with a very influential lady in Kenya she has she runs uh, the biggest Kenyan community on Facebook here in America so she was she was running uh, she was talking about surrogacy and we had over a thousand people on the live and none of the comments attacked me or okay. the fact that I was caring for a gay couple. And for me, hmm. that that proved to me that God has a purpose for me. Hmm. You know, like if nobody attacked that aspect and in Kenya, I mean, gay people get attacked and killed. You know, it's just so, um, for me, it was, uh, it was amazing. Okay, so Lauren, I think you were the one who said this, um, like comments like, oh, like who are you, like what race are you caring for, right? Is if you were to say, I'm caring for a white couple, are, are the people that are asking you in your culture or are they randoms on the street? Like, I'm so, it's so confusing. Like, why, why does it matter? I've gotten a little bit of both. Um, okay. So like, uh, you know, like when you take your kids to the park, you know, you chit chatting sure. with all the other moms um and you know they'll ask me how far along I am what am I having and all this other stuff and then you know it eventually gets to the point where like they're asking me questions and I have to say I'm it's not my baby right yeah right <laughs> um, and sometimes you know I'm talking to other black people sometimes I'm talking to Spanish people I live in Florida it's a melting pot here yeah. um and sometimes <laughs> I'm talking to white people and I would say universally the questions that follow are pretty much the same but it's like I said for me it's a tone thing a lot of times, um, you know, when they'll ask uh, what race is the couple that I'm um, caring for, I can always tell where the conversation is going because people who are genuinely curious normally start off with, if you're okay with sharing this, what race right. is the couple you're caring for? Mm -hmm. Others will just ask, what race are they? Are the parents? And usually it's those people and... I don't think I can say that there's been more than one of, of one race and the other to ask that yeah, way, sure. but it's normally meant with a lot of like it, the, the follow-up question after the people who are kind of like jump straight into it is usually, is that weird for you? And huh. is it weird for you? I'm going to ask, sorry, sorry. Is it weird for you? Sort of, sort of. Okay. Honestly, sort of. Okay. Um, <laughs> Just mostly because I guess in the same aspect that we've just been kind of saying is they don't understand what it's like for me in the healthcare field mm, um, right. and just in life in general, because a lot of times people will see that I'm caring for a white couple and it's just like, 
that's not weird to you that doesn't feel like they're taking advantage of you like Ooh, they really yeah. trying to say slavery just say it uh-huh. I was about to say that. thank you Rachel because yeah. somebody yeah. just said yeah that was like a thing that was just said that I just saw and I was like uh there's a lot of surrogates that carry asian babies and they're not asian that's not really asked of them is it but I was it's also, my first time was uh an asian couple well asian white couple i guess i don't know but <laughs> a lot of times <laughs> it was kind of like the same questions it was just like well well for them it was well is the baby like half black or like okay are the parents in the country was usually the uh, comments after that one but when caring for a white couple it's always just like that's not weird for you that doesn't feel weird what does your family think is your husband okay with that you know yeah (laughs) be like yeah i went behind his back and did it yeah right yeah i'm pregnant walking around with someone else's baby and he just over he here doesn't just know. gotta deal with it <laughs> you don't know you don't he has know. no idea i mean it. we sleep in the same bed and i he hide I roll roll he doesn't know yeah. <laughs> what um ladies what is your family's reactions to you guys saying that you guys wanted to be a surrogate my family and my husband was a little like wait what 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 because he was like confused by it he's like so it's gonna be your baby and i'm like no 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 so i explained it to him yeah. and then we went for our first transfer got a pregnancy test all the things started going he's like like when we were after the transfer he was like that's it science is freaking cool like oh, it's awesome. so awesome like yeah. once you like i said once you go through it and you understand it it's uh it ends up being a beautiful thing it does so my family was cool with it my my family was just like as long as you're all right and you understand like da, 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 da. and our first journey we were still like we're still learning because i feel like you can learn and google and search all you can on surrogacy because they always say do your research do your research but it's like at the same time yeah crap happens in the journey that they don't tell you on oh, google yeah. and this and that and the third yeah. It's all hidden. So you really just need to like do yeah, do your research, but live through it, mm-hmm. experience it, take it all in. Yeah. So my family was really supportive <laughs> about both of my journeys. I think my parents just were just like, Are you sure? You know, that's a lot of a health risk, you know, mm-hmm. to carry someone else's baby, you know. And like even my husband initially, he well, when we did our first journey, we weren't married. Um, but he he was very like I don't know but we were also 23 and 24 years old and so it was more of a it would be weird to see me pregnant and it's not his kid because that Ah. by that point we had already had two kids of ourselves uh, for ourselves so it's like for him it was just like a visual thing that he had to get over Hmm. but Mm, you know after we talked with the first couple um he immediately was like on board and was just like yeah you know what this is actually like a really great thing because like the science part didn't really I didn't have to explain much to that of to him or my family um because my husband's mom is a doctor so like he immediately (laughs) Um, and my family I just really they've only heard of surrogacy in the sense of the traditional surrogacy so I just had to explain to them that there's a difference between a traditional and a gestational surrogate but from there they were on board just really like make sure you know you're being taken care of don't just 
you know, be pregnant in, in pain or bothered or anything like that, you know, just make sure you're getting the care you need, especially right. if it's not your child. Right. Right. But for me, when I first brought up surrogacy, I was still married and my ex, he was totally anti anti-surrogacy like I'm not gonna have you carrying somebody else's baby I'm like first it's my body and it's and and it's not like I'm gonna be sleeping with somebody so he wasn't mm-hmm. even patient enough to sit to understand the science behind it so my joke is usually that I got rid of my husband so I can do surrogacy um, <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do right like <laughs> but, um, yeah so, so I know I know for sure if I was still married he probably wouldn't have been a good and of course, I wouldn't have qualified if the spouse is not supportive, mm-hmm. right? Oh, okay. Yeah, but um, but um, we when I filed for divorce, I, I think I the same week my divorce was finalized is the same week I applied to the agency that I applied into. Wow. Um, but wow. for my parents, my mom, she of course just worried about my health. And when I it was two years ago, two summers ago, when I was in Kenya and I was explaining to my dad um what I was going to do what I had already done I had already applied to the surrogacy and the process that I was at and he's he was 64 at the time so explaining to him the science behind it the baby's not going to be mine the baby genetic makeup is absolutely the parents and for me being two gay dads I had to also explain the egg donor Mm. perspective and he was just so intrigued and my only thing that I always wish since I had the surrogate baby was my dad died like three weeks after I um I was in Kenya Uh, we were three weeks in he passed away but I'm always so excited that I got to tell him what I was going to do you know and, and he was supportive and I just wish he had been allowed to see Alexandra you know so, but yeah, so otherwise, um, my immediate friends and um, here, my funny thing is my family here in America, I don't have any immediate, but I have like my dad's cousins, people that were the closest family that I have here in America. Mm-hmm. I can't say they have been actively engaged in my journey or such, but at the same time, it's not like we were that close. So the people mm-hmm. that I, I, was close to they have just been all in it a thousand percent supportive and then some people we got closer after the journey like they were like just enamored and right. happy about it so it's been good support for sure uh, all around um at home in kenya people have just uh, decided demaris is crazy they are mm. just they, <laughs> they were like really you're gonna do it and then they're watching the journey and then now it's over yeah so it's it's been a good. Support. I had one person. One person didn't like that I was doing it with my uncle, and he was just like, "You're a horrible mom for doing a surrogacy journey." And I said, "And you a drunk that ain't got nothing to do with this." So bye. Blocked him. That was that. Wow. <laughs> I haven't talked to him since. So I was wow. Like, it was the craziest thing. I was like, but he forgave my husband. Like he said, he made him texted him everything. I'm sorry, but once they start to me. He's like, I'm, it's because you're a child. Heffa, my husband's younger than me. So what the hell? And yeah. He's like, but he's not family. Heffa, we married, so he is family. He is family. Yeah. No, that's no. I was just like, whatever. People. Huh. I have a question. And if it's too morbid or insensitive, tell me and I'll cut it. Okay. But I do know the mortality rate for Black women in childbirth is a lot higher 
than a lot of other races. Is that something that is talked to you guys about like at an agency or like, is that like, because basically that's what you're signing up to do is have. No, the agency is not going to talk about that. You will see it. We see it everywhere. Exactly. The agency is not going to tell you that. How are they going to lose? Okay. We know coming in that there's a higher chance that we could, uh, for lack of better words, die giving birth to these children. But not because, you know, medical professionals, you know, tell us at our appointments or. Really? They don't talk to you. You no, just know it. Just know no, that. but I brought it up with my doctor with this surrogate pregnancy. I said, you know, and it's Texas. I live in Texas. We have the worst numbers in the world. Oh, but what causes for birth? The, for like- the mortality rate for pregnant women. Yeah. In, in Texas, it is. I think they said it was in the world. Yeah. And my doctor was like, yeah, it is really bad. I said, so I'm going to need you to watch out for me. Yeah. That's, That's what, what I told her. Conversation yeah. about our pain not being taken seriously because a lot of times those okay. deaths happen because we're reporting that we're in pain. We're reporting that, you know, something right. doesn't feel right. And listen. we're just being told. You're brushed off. Yeah. yeah, we're being brushed off. Yeah. And, you know, from my previous journey, uh, well, the one I just did, I yeah. fortunately have a wonderful example of that. Um, when I had to be put on bed rest for the twins okay. um, and the morning that they were born, um, it's still kind of hard for me to talk about. Something. Oh, oh yeah. Right. No, you don't have to wait. talk about it, Lauren. Pause. Wait. Okay. Backstory. I'll tell yeah. Lauren, I got you. She gave, she gave birth early to the twins. She okay. had a go- I was watching her journey. I felt so bad. I was like, and this is what I hate. I'm sorry. I'm going on a tangent. This is what I hate. I hate not being close to my surrogates because if I could, if we all live close together, I'd be going to see these people. Like, oh, yeah. I would be going. Right. She was on bed rest, stuck in the hospital. And yeah. it was, it yeah. was, she was good. She was having a hard time. If, of course. if you want to say, look, if I, she didn't really like, she couldn't really go into detail. But if you want to, Lauren, you, if you're, if you feel okay. Okay. Long story short, um, yeah. the morning that they were born, um, I wasn't in any physical pain, but I know I was having contractions. And the nurses kept telling me, you know, if you start feeling contractions, let us know. Um, because I was already, I think, like three or four centimeters dilated and the bag was bulging and it had already ruptured, like one, for one of them. Wow. So... Um, I was telling them like, I'm not in any pain, but I am having contractions. But because it wasn't being picked up on the monitor that I was having Mm. a contraction, it just kept getting brushed off. And from like 5 a.m. to like 9 a.m., not even from 4 a.m. to like 9 a.m., I kept telling them every time the nurses came in, like I'm having contractions. I'm even like showing them on my phone. Like I'm taking screenshots of the time every time I have one so that I know how far apart they are. Right. Right. Showing them, telling them still just, Okay, yeah, we'll tell the doctor. Okay, yeah, we'll tell the doctor. But because again, it's not being picked up on the monitor, mm-hmm. they're not doing anything about it. And they came in um, because one of the baby's um, heartbeat had come off the monitor. Mm-hmm. And at that point, same thing. I told the nurse, I'm like, I'm not in any pain or anything like that, but I know I'm having a contraction. Something just feels off. Yeah. And he said the same thing, you know, once we get the baby back on the monitor, we'll go ahead and I'll tell the doctor and we'll see what they want to do from there. But the fact that like the baby's heartbeat wasn't being picked up anymore and I just felt like something was wrong. Yeah. Um, 
I started being dramatic. So I'm just like, you know what? You need tears? Fine, I'll cry. So I started crying, like theater class came all back, like being very dramatic. And it turns out I was right. The baby's feet were in the birth canal. Birth canal? Yes. They rushed me to have an emergency C-section and they weren't able to numb me fast enough before they had to take them out. Stop it. Oh, sweetheart, we can stop. We can stop. We can 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 stop, girl. Stop, Lauren. Oh, honey. Because I'm going to start crying and I don't need to start crying. Okay, but people, this is exactly what we're discussing, is it not? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I I feel like it's important to tell the story because they knew I could still feel. They knew. Oh, God. The, and they didn't wait. The anesthesiologist was still like poking me to confirm that I couldn't feel anything. And I'm still moving because I did feel him what? poking me. But the doctor literally said, we can't wait any longer. So they went ahead and, you know, I didn't feel the initial cut because that was numb enough, I guess. But, yeah, when but you're he, going through nine layers, Lauren. Yeah, nine. when he put his hands in, I felt his hands. And... What in Christ? As soon as the nurses realized that I could still feel what was going on, they all like grabbed my hands to make sure I didn't like reach past the curtain or anything. And they were just like, scream. You can scream if you need to. That would be a perfect example, unfortunately, of when we say something is wrong. They don't always listen just listen just listen like how how hard is it to just go and check like that's what i don't get like how hard that's is it for the doctor to be like, let me go check that's the healthcare babysitting the machine instead of looking at the patient right right and, five and it's hours, not like you, you said it, it once and let it go five. you said it several five hours times. she said it five oh lord i'm so so sorry i don't I, I don't, don't even know how I, I don't even know words for this I, I, I but that's you, you're right that's an girl. exact example and it's so awful that you ha- that you have an example it's, yeah and that's what needs to change like did, can I can I and you don't have to answer did they take care of your pain after this was done yeah, once I finally um passed out um oh Lauren they the epidural I guess had kicked in at that point um because when I woke up I didn't feel anything yeah Um, but by then I was also very you know loopy I guess because maybe they gave me a little extra because I wasn't numbing up yeah Um, yeah but after that I would say my nurses were very good and I I don't know if it's because they knew what had happened they messed up they should have listened yeah Mm -hmm. because they were very on top of my pain management after that you didn't have to go through that you didn't have to go through that for them to believe you did anyone apologize for their oversight by any chance nobody ever does in the house no one even acknowledged that it happened no lauren stop and i bet you in your medical records if you looked they probably did not even document that you kept reporting the contractions every time nope because i went after so i gave birth let's say like on a sunday okay um while I was in the hospital, my record was being updated daily. Every time they came in, I got a ding, you know, about an hour later that my chart had been updated. 
after I gave birth, it wasn't until maybe like a week afterwards that they entered notes for the actual C-section. And it, it just, it was very black and white. There was nothing detailed in it. Because they're afraid of legal action. Legal action. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That's why I was asking, did they afterwards? Yeah. Wow. I'm and a nurse were, too, Damaris. I'm just, this is horrifying. Horrifying to me. Horrifying. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, Lauren, I'm so sorry. Well, okay. mm. Are you okay? I, right. Are you, you okay you, now? You said you're physically okay. You're physically okay now. Yeah. I'm, physically, I'm, I'm fine. Mentally, yeah. it's still a struggle because when I finally passed out during the surgery, I honestly, I thought I died. And that's why I fell asleep. Oh, Lauren. Oh, my oh. God. Sometimes now it's yeah. No. Oh, sweetie, Mm-mm. it's hard because I'm scared to close my. Eyes. I don't. I don't blame you. But you're here. You are. Oh, let it out, Lauren. Yeah. Oh, I feel out. so bad. That honestly, like, that takes a lot to talk about and to share, and so. Yeah. Thank you. And if you if you want me to cut that out, I can cut it out if you want. Yeah. Like if you if yeah. I will send it to you and you can tell me if you want it in there or not. I yeah. no, this is your story. Well, it's yeah. okay. It, it's why I decided, you know, to do this because people need to hear it. And honestly, it's a lot of times people say surrogates do this for the money. And there is no amount of money in this world that will be enough for what we go through especially when things don't go as planned yeah no and you didn't even get and not not that we talk about money but you didn't even get all your money exactly not that we doing it for the money but you know she didn't make it to the to the age where the contract i know but that's what i'm saying but that's Mm -hmm. what i'm saying though so that's why when people are like you just do it for the money like for the money it ain't enough baby Mm -hmm. yeah like as surrogates as a surrogate, I want to make sure that other people who are considering this know that not every story is cookie cutter. Not everything oh. goes exactly the way it's supposed to. And there's like this perfect, happy ending. Sometimes things do go wrong. And yeah. she said, in my situation, I didn't even get the full compensation. So anyone who was, you know, getting into this because they see dollar signs, like that is not, that cannot be the reason that you want to do this. No. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I can't. And and now you're you you're going through stuff. I mean you going through it, you know, like yeah. mentally. And it's therapy. just like yeah, therapy to just be able to cope with that trauma. And that's mm-hmm. on your dime, Lauren. Um, so after my my agency was wonderful. So okay, my, good. my good. I was gonna uh, ask. coordinator checked on me like okay, every other day in the beginning and then at least once a week you know as time went on and you know we did try um to get me um in to see a therapist but it just nothing kept working out we were reaching out to people but no one was getting back to us so she did try to help me get some mental health care um assistance it just didn't work out but if I did get it now then yes it would be on my dime um no I definitely it's so expensive but it's much needed uh, that's the unfortunate system how it is uh, I mean because who can afford two hundred dollars for to speak with somebody for 50 minutes you know it's ridiculous and oh. mental health is just as important as physical health sorry it yeah. is like it's, it is. it's all part of one sometimes even more mm-hmm. yeah it's mm-hmm. very important 
okay, besides the medical health aspect of being a surrogate as a black woman, is there anything else that is very different that people should be aware of, that there should be a topic on, that like the conversation needs to start? I feel like at the end of the day, like I said, I made that post and then someone was naive enough to say surrogacy is like slavery, which is like Mm -hmm. prostitution. And I'm like... I was like, no, duck on stupid. Like I had no idea. I'm like (laughs) the crap that be coming out of people's mouths are, it's just like, and, and they have no idea, no idea. Dumbfounded to me. Like, I'm like, just because I'm black. And even if I am caring for, cause people always assume it's a white person that I'm caring for. That's wild. How does that have to do with slavery? Slavery is a whole nother topic, but I'm just like, how do you compare? And how do you even compare slavery with prostitution? I don't see the comparison. And then the lady wanted to go on and talk. I actually sent Kennedy the screenshots and I was just like, wow. yeah, you guys see, I didn't delete them. I left them on there. I left them on them. I post for people to see. Because I'm just crazy. like, I don't, slavery was like forced. Prostitution, no offense. I ain't judging no prostitutes now. But a lot of them, some of them may be forced, but that kind of gets into trafficking. Mm-hmm. But most of them do it for either drugs or money or this or that. Well, and so I'm like, prostitution also has to deal with the intimate act of it and like we're not part of that's we're, we're not, not in serious yeah yeah that's that's if yeah, anything, we're literally else. told not to so yeah yeah, yeah. you, you mm-hmm. don't have to sign a contract and be like no <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. gonna happen for a while like yeah, yeah. It's, so it's just like i was like i was like, I was like first of all I'm not even going to go down this rabbit hole with you because you're going to think your way. By the end of the day, I told her, I was like, yeah. she's like, well, mo- some surrogates do it for the money. First of all, I'm not putting that on any surrogate. Like if that's on them, if they want to yeah. do that, that's great yeah. for them. Whatever. But you need to talk to surrogates and intensive parents and people in the fertility world before you go running your mouth and thinking that just because you Googled something, you know, yeah, right. what if you, what if just Google told you the sky was going to fall tomorrow? right Uh, yeah because google ain't always right i remember one time i was trying to go to i think i forgot where i was going i was going somewhere and they said it was open i went there was closed can't (laughs) can't trust it can't trust it can't trust it i told her i was like you really need to talk to people that have been through it talk to surrogates Mm -hmm. you know if they're willing to tell you that they do it for the money go right ahead but i always love to give this aspect of i've been on my second journey for two years I have not seen any money of my base compensation. So if I'm doing it just for the money, I'll be dumb as hell to do it just for the money. Because right. that means I'm broke. Yeah. Broke as hell. If that for was two, years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Years. Well, two years. Yeah. And the fact that we have to do, right? And I got a whole house and two kids to feed. And my, like, yeah. oh, I got a car payment. The sacrifices we have to make. I mean, all yeah. the plans and the travel. Child and care. Things. 
Everything. I mean, by the time by the time I was at my weekly appointments, I was like, "Holy cow! This is, you know, yeah, what happens to people that don't have a support system? I guess they wouldn't qualify." But right, but yeah. it, but it is a lot, and and lot. you know, just even the administrative aspect of it, keeping up with your bills, keeping mm -hmm. up, you know, with sending them to the agency, updating the IPs, and um, it is it is it is a lot of work um, that people don't see. They just think of the money. Yeah. They don't think of the times you're going to the hospital, you're taking time off to right. go see the doctor, you're doing They just this. think that you get pregnant and have a baby. Right. And there's so much in between. Oh my gosh. <laughs> mm -hmm. And such a length of time in between. Not even just if you yeah. get pregnant and have a baby in nine months. Because yeah. that's not yeah. happening. Yeah. But at the end of the day, slavery, mm -hmm. most of them, they were raped and then had to carry mm -hmm. a baby for their freaking owners or whatever. Mm -hmm. that's not the case here like we all mm -hmm. sign in contracts we all on the same page we all have lawyers we all, force. Right. We all have lawyers like protected we all get in this knowing we all are not coerced into signing we're we're smart intelligent human beings we can like you know we can yeah. uh, comprehend understand what we're signing up for it's it's on our own free will <laughs> yeah yeah i did have one more question um we had talked a little bit about IVF and how, um, I, for lack of other words that come to my mind right now, like, is would you guys say that there's shame in IVF in your culture, like having to admit to using IVF, or or is it just not talked about that IVF is is available? Can I ask I a question? A combination of both. Combination. Mar of both. Mar you said. IVF was illegal until 2007. Did no, I hear in Kenya? It, it was legalized because it wasn't. It wasn't the technology that was. Yeah, it was legalized in 2007. I think it was. Yeah, because uh, yeah. it's assistive reproduction. You're influencing right. the nature, the natural. Yeah. Right. So, um, and yeah. surrogacy. There's no defined laws on surrogacy. Actually, a bill was tabled in January or December. So it's it's coming up to where it will mm -hmm. protect the surrogates and the intended parents. Um, because it's only I think South Africa is the only country. Uganda is doing well too. It has established where it can recognize the contracts. But Kenya right now, many people from Europe and America are actually going to Kenya for surrogacy because it's kind of cheap. Interesting. Um, but but it's but it's one of those things that um, you appreciate America in terms of the monitoring for IVF. Uh, there's a podcast I'm currently listening to, and the women talking about the complications and all of that. But um, but it's, it's it's focused on fetal loss, like miscarriages and stuff. Mm -hmm. But they talk about IVF, and uh, in Kenya, it's not the IVF itself is not um, a concept many people understand or know because it was never there for years. Oh. And then it is super expensive. Mm -hmm. It is very expensive. Um, so when you think about the economics of my country, many people, you know, they're not making even a thousand dollars a month. It's no, no, any of that. Right. Yeah. And you have children, you have to pay tuition for even because high school is not free in Kenya. You've got to pay, uh, primary school, elementary wasn't free until actually after I came to America, my parents had to pay tuition since kindergarten, you know? So a lot of people do, cannot afford that. Uh, so it's it's really for the rich people mm -hmm. to afford IVF. So you can imagine surrogacy. Sure. Like, yeah. And know. that's another thing. I think that's where people get is um, when people say like, oh, it's for the rich. So they don't think 
They don't mm-hmm. assume that black people are rich or have money of that. Right. Yeah, and so, yeah, like who is the girl from Atlanta, the Shadina Blunt IPs, Shadina Blunt, um, you know, the, the surrogate that had breast cancer? Oh, yes. Um, I can't think of her name. She's the, um, she works with that agency. I forgot her name. Yeah, so her IP is the girl. Um, she was in Real Housewives of Atlanta. She carried for Candy and she carried for um, the other lady. She's, she's also part of the Real Housewives. But um, her husband's from Kenya and that's the, why I follow her and she's known in Kenya. But um, she, she talks about the comments, especially when her daughter Tyler was born in the beginning how people would be like, oh, you know, how can you afford this? Or why are you going back to work? She's the radio host in Atlanta. And she's like, somebody got to pay the bills. Mm. The baby is in hospital, but I have to work, you know. But um, in the Black culture, for sure, it's not something that you see a lot of for yeah. people to be able to be like, oh, wow, you know, it's something I can do too. And yes, in America here, there's the opportunities. Like Rachel said, some people take loans. You know, some people move in with their parents to save money and all of that stuff. You know, in, in Kenya, that's kind of not an option. Where are you getting a loan from? We, our system is totally different. There's, there's, there's not that option. Versus here in America, if you are have a good credit, you can apply for a loan. If you can downsize, maybe use one car to get to work, you guys can do that. You know, just anything to make it work. Hmm. So it's more yeah. of a money aspect. It's not so much that the there's shame behind it. It's just like it's the economic because I think when, if somebody can afford it, the shame people can just brush it off. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I think there yeah. is a bit of a, a shame aspect to it too, in the sense of we won't even look into the option because then we would have to admit that we're having the problem. The failure. It feel like a failure. Yeah. And the black community, especially with black women, it's very, you know, you have to do it all on your own. You have to make it work. So when something can't happen or won't happen the way it's supposed to, having to admit that you're having the problem, like, it's hard because then you know people come in with all these random suggestions and all this other stuff kind of mm-hmm. solidifying that you are the problem okay of, okay yeah Putting so the they're like you. well like kind of like well have you what positions have you been doing are you tracking mm-hmm. this or like oh. have you been eating this relax. Or, on a vacation yeah, so stressed out yeah yeah and, and, and it's, funny, it's always focused on the woman. I guess so it's just yeah. like in Africa, you know, yeah. nobody yeah. ever says, Ooh, What's what is man? his farm motility? What is his farm count? <laughs> nobody right. asks about right. the, the men. And like, let's get real here. Sometimes it's the men. Right. Like, just saying. <laughs> so they never look at it from the, there might be something physically wrong, making it incapable for you to carry. Right. They just think, it's your right. fault. You, you mm-hmm. that, that's it, essentially. Because it's like that. It's not a disease. They don't look at it as a disease, as mm-hmm. a condition right. that you mm-hmm. know can be addressed medically, or or you know, mm-hmm. or or even via the IVF and and surrogacy. They don't mm-hmm. see it like that. It's like you, you wow. have just failed. That's a lot mm-hmm. of pressure. And hopefully that'll change because, like you just said, they don't look at it like disease. Well, like ten years ago, they didn't think mental health was like a pro like you know that we needed to take care of that and now kids get like mental health days and I'm like I, I want a mental health day like like this is like, what is this yeah. but like 
So hopefully there's hope in the future that people will look at this in a different light and be like, oh no, like there's, there's actual written statements to back this up, which is as dumb as that is to say, like, it'll give it more of a support. Yeah, but I think also, I feel like it's kind of like that saying strong black woman, like, why can't I just be a black woman? I mean, I know I'm strong, but it's like, that's kind of like forced onto us. And it's like, wanted labels. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's just kind of like, okay. Yeah, I know. But mm. I think that's also why we don't ask for help because you have to we're be supposed strong. to be strong and independent and you that know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, I don't know. It's wow. It's, and that's another thing. It's like, it's I icky. feel like we're not, and that's why I try to share all of my, you know, my women of color, you know, wherever you come from, I try to share it all because I feel like also we're not, sh- no, Kennedy does amazing job. She shares everybody, but I feel like we're not like shared enough either, mm-hmm. you and know, it's, and it's, I, and a lot of the times, like, I love that Rachel shares because I'm like, who are these people? I want to go follow. Like, cause like at, certain people find certain people and then like from there then we all get to know each other and that's what I love that's why I love everybody because they're just like they all support talking about sharing there's an IP from Houston and and he's reached out to me and we now talk he calls me whenever he's going through some stuff but he told me you know look at the posts on the Facebook matching groups you know Mm -hmm. like the surrogacy groups the egg donor matching all of that and he said, if you look and look at the post, if it's a white couple and they have these cute pictures and they are looking for a GC and they're doing this, look at the number of likes and comments on there. Mm-hmm. And then try to find a post by a black couple mm-hmm. and see how many likes and how many comments are there. And it was mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Like even if uh, just a cute blonde, blue eyed lady puts on there that they're looking for a GC you will find hundreds of comments. Oh, you're so beautiful. All the best, all this, all of that. Mm-hmm. And then a black couple puts it on there. Crickets. You don't see any comments. But when he posts, now I see when I, when he posts or somebody else posts, somebody of color, uh, I notice the difference, whether they're Hispanic or black, I will see mm-hmm. two, three likes. And then if it is this gorgeous white couple, it is literally hundreds, hundreds of comments in within an hour. Um, complete so it is important that we share, share, share yeah. um, people of color because the, uh, and then the algorithm won't bring them up because of the less likes. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> I like a uh, minimum like comments or like videos that I see because I know that that's what the algorithm is looking for. I might not even actually watch the video or watch the whole thing, but I'm going to put a heart on it because I know it's needed. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And there's no, there's no, I mean, I hate to say this, but there is no viral, viral, because, you know, viral is different for everybody. There's no viral black surrogate. Oh, no. Like, But how many viral white ones do you know? I can name a few. Wow. No, it's true. Wow. The number one black surrogate that I know is Rachel. Like, you pop up everywhere. You, but I mean, I get it. I'm friends with you, so like your algorithms in there. But like, still, (laughs) everybody knows. Everybody, I feel like everybody knows you. And I've been starting to see. I've been starting to see you, ladies, more. But 
I feel like I've been trying to see you more because I'm talking to Rachel. So it's like, hey, Rachel's your friend. Like Rachel's their friends. And so but it's that's like, even okay. another thing. I even asked Kennedy. I was like, how many black surrogates do you follow? And I bet you if you ask any other other white surrogates, how many black surrogates yeah. do you follow? Huh. And it would be nice if the agency was just like, hey, happy Black History Month. Like, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. appreciate your Black... Or even, or even IPs. I, I enjoy following... Even uh, IPs, DW, exactly. DW Bella. Is it DW Bella, Rachel? We were talking about her when she was posting in... Oh, Duella, yeah. The one Duella. that she... Duella. She was going through her IVF journey and then she lost yeah. twins and then she's kind of just taking a break now. She's kind of just like... Yeah. I'm... You know, yeah. I, I enjoy following her, and for her, she's also breaking barriers for IPs, black women that are suffering mm -hmm. from infertility that don't want to share their. And she has a white husband. And she, mm -hmm. yeah. Now, but that is the one thing that uh, you'll think it's funny. Um, a lot of the black surrogates that I follow, their husbands are white. Rachel, your husband. <laughs> My husband's Mexican. My husband's Mexican. He Mexican. Mexican. Okay. He just and looks it, white. He just looks, he looks white. white. He looks very white. Yeah. I'm like, wait. And then I've been looking to see. I'm like, okay, all the surrogates that I follow, all of them are married. Most of them are married that I know, that I follow. You know, because many times they will share their husband. You know, they will mm -hmm. mention husband. They'll mention a significant other. I'm like, I'm the only one flying solo here. Um, I, but I was single for my first three. I was... Yep single as a pringle and it was <laughs> i was happy it was great it was fine i didn't have to get anybody's permission i just was talking to my mom and my dad because i live with them and they've been through it and they were like yeah that's like fine but i didn't have to give a spouse's mm -hmm. permission to do that oh i i loved i loved my journey yeah but it's yeah. definitely it's definitely um different when i when i do look at the people that i follow most of them and then there's the canadian ones of course that i follow um yeah but the American ones, oftentimes, it is just, it's not enough. In the pool, we are, are there, a very small, very small crop. Are there any support face group, Facebook groups or anything? Just for we, ain't doing, we ain't doing that. We ain't doing that. They you talk like the it. Sucks. Talk well, now, so there's a, there's a surrogate. Her name is Talita, and she's a midwife. Uh, she's on her first journey. She's, um, she's still in the, I think, medical screening phase. And she does have a Facebook group for... Um, it's called Black Worms. It's not the lady that has the the journal. Oh, okay. It's not that late. No, but Talita is a different lady. It's a different lady, and she has a she has a Facebook group um, for Black women, and it's not just surrogates; it's IPs as well. Because lately, I I noticed these people posting about you know this is what they've done. They've been trying to build a family. And, so it's not just surrogates. I thought it was just for surrogates, but she also has IPs in there. Wow. And she posts some really nice PDF informational stuff for people. It's kind of super new. Well, that's I think in general, I've never been in a surrogacy group outside of like, so like during my journeys, I do join like a group specific to like my transfer date. So like it's a group of women that are going through the the journey together, like in yeah. the same place. Yeah. That's general surrogacy groups um anyone that I've ever been in it's just so catty and so judgmental right? yeah. and negative. it's just it's always <clears throat> negative like nobody ever has anything constructive to say it's always just criticism yeah. criticism, criticism 
and I, I stay in one of them just because when I get bored, I like to read through the comments to watch. <laughs> but like, yeah. I had to get rid of all of the groups except for that one, and that that one is just my. I I have it like um, what is it called? Hidden or quiet or whatever it is where it doesn't actually pop up on my feed. I have to go like search for the group to be able to look for it. Mm. Oh, so you have muted. You have uh, is it a notification turned off? Yeah, I have the notification yeah. turned off for that one, but like to me surrogacy groups they've never been very like helpful sort of, yeah which is sad it's it is very for me the ones mm. i joined was the matching groups and those ones i've also and um mm. made them to where i don't get notifications but it was only when my agency i was like okay i'm 39 i'm going on 40 when are you gonna match me i'm gonna start hustling for my own ip <laughs> you know so yeah. that is kind of when i joined but then they they came through and matched me but I, I just like to look at those posts. Mm -hmm. It just sucks that we have to do like a separation. Like we literally have to put black surrogate. You know what I mean? Because it's like I can't, just, like, I can't just search surrogate. I have to I have to specify that I'm yeah. looking for black surrogates as a nursing student. I can't just search nursing students and see people like myself. I have to search black nursing oh, students to be able to actually see people of color and, and it's just it's like Rachel said it's, it's sad that we have to add very black yeah like if you google anything you are like you know wedding hairstyles or whatever the case may be all you will find is pictures of white women when I was yeah. looking at my right. hair from a wedding I had to specify black women hairstyles for a wedding mm -hmm. yeah wow. <laughs> and, and, and when Rachel get me started on makeup <laughs> <laughs> Well, and when Rachel pointed it out, uh, naive as I am, I didn't realize it. She's like, go look up surrogacy, like go look it up online and like, tell me who you see. And I was like, I see a bunch of white girls. And she's like, exactly. And I was like that. It took me, I scrolled through maybe four pages, five pages until I saw not a black IP. Cause I saw a black IP. I was like, where's the black surrogate? And it took me four or five pages through Google to find one. And I was like, that is absurd. Like makes no sense. Doesn't that it would be that divided I yeah. never knew I, and that's shame on me that I never knew because I should know and I especially since my partner is a black man and one of my friends my close friend is a black surrogate I'm just I shame on me for not no, registering but, 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 you that. know it, it is just the, the the good thing about proximity now mm -hmm. you know you know so yeah. it is I follow Jen Hatmaker and she talks about that. Like, you know, she's been living in this blissful ignorance as a white woman. But then now that she's dating a black man, she yeah. gets to have that lived experience by proximity, you mm -hmm. know? So you did not know, but then you've met Rachel, you got to learn and then, you know. And this is, this is, this is like one of the most wonderful conversations I, personally for myself because I, these are the kind of conversations that I love having. I, I love becoming educated and I love understanding because I grew up like, look at my mom. I grew up in a white household. So I, <laughs> I didn't, and we, and it's not like I grew up around a bunch of uh, different cultures. Like where we lived was kind of just white culture, maybe like some, like my son's half Hispanic. So there were some Hispanic cultures around us, but you yeah. know, it just wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't in our part. daily life. So mm -hmm. I'm getting like a whole buttload of information. And it's, it's so important for everybody to get the information because mm -hmm. all the information that's out there, some of it's not portrayed 
how it should be. It's, it's not, it's, we're not being educated because it's in the school systems. So it's different than real life. So it, it, it saddens me to know that you ladies have to go through something. You, you walk a completely different life. The only thing we have in common is that we're women. And that, that's what's sad. Like, that's what's sad about it is that that's our main commonality. And that's, I don't, and I, and I get to understand you a bit more and that's mm-hmm. what I like. And I, and I appreciate it a lot. So thank you for sharing. Thank you for having us on here. Oh, sorry, girl, girl, Lauren. My my bad, Lauren. My bad. Oh, no, I'm just saying, of course. (laughs) I'm going to say something. But I think it's like, but also like, okay, I used to live in San Jose. Race is everywhere. Hmm. Y'all moved to, I moved to Falabama. I moved to Fallon in Nevada. We call it Falabama. There are so many white people out here. It's not even crazy. There's a sprinkle of black people. Yeah. And I'm like, mind you, purple and white hair, I'm black. I get stares. And for me, I'm like, is it because I'm black or is it because of my hair? Uh, and me and my husband always, it's just, we always get scared. I don't know if you notice it, notice it Kennedy, but I think it's for it's different for black men than it is for hmm. black women. Okay. And they what? get stared at less or they get stared at more with the opposite. I, I, and that's another thing too. It's like, we get hate from both sides. So it don't really matter. Because then I you mean, got the black true. people like, why don't you date a black man? Da, 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 da. And then it's just like. The, uh, the one thing that makes me laugh Sorry, because they're picking all the white women. No offense. <laughs> sorry oh no uh, no the one thing I did notice that makes me laugh a lot and he didn't even recognize this anytime I don't live in a I live in a prominently well it's more white than there are blacks here and what's funny is anytime that he passes a black man not a black woman a black man I always I'm stare cool. at him and they always do a head nod and he never realized that he does it and I'm like white people don't do that like you would never see a white it's because a he's like you got a, a white woman. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So it to me, I just always laugh because I'm like, at least you guys have each other. Like that's so nice that you guys say hi. I do that like, all the time, all the time. Every time I, oh I'm like, babe, babe, there's a black person. Like, because there's not oh. many of us out here. I know. So I was gonna say, in my I'm neighborhood, like, I'm like, every time I see a black person, I'm like, oh, there's another one. Oh. <laughs> Like, like you just grab it and if it, like if whenever I'm in a conference or whatever, you I will always see like if there was Keep another the room to see where the black gravitate towards me, there will be a conversation <laughs> or something like, oh, hey, you know, I mean, I say hi to everybody and, you know, not just people that I know, but there's always that, oh, I'm not alone. Alone. Hmm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Anywhere, anytime I go somewhere, I'm, I, I always... unintentionally I always search to find at least one other black person where I'm at so like when we Mm -hmm. moved into our neighborhood I was like not like outside stalking my neighbors or anything but like (laughs) whenever we would like walk to the pool or anything like that I'm looking for other black people or when I go to like grocery stores and stuff like that I'm looking for other black people or like I never find like employees like like Go to the movies. I need it. Just makes me feel safer when there's one, sure. other, one right. more there. Yeah. It normalizes it all. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I would feel mm-hmm. the same way. I'm just so used to going to like when I go to like on-site meetings and stuff. I'm used to some oftentimes being the only black person 
Or I remember I was working in a different role and I would go to these meetings and when I walk in, the meeting would always stop. And one time my doctor asked, and who are you? Like, wow, you think I need to be here? And so yeah. I introduced myself and, but it, it, it always stood, and I always thought it was funny, like, yeah, they probably don't know what this black person's here doing, but it's all, <laughs> it's all white, majority white, but that, and, and it's, it's Texas. You would think there would even probably then be a few more Hispanics in the conference room. Yeah. But <laughs> no, you, you would, that's what I would think. <laughs> <laughs> I in Georgia, where you would so, like predominantly black people everywhere but like on my soccer team at one point I was the only black person um in one of my classes I think it was like me and maybe one other black person in it and it, it's it's weird growing up that now like living in Florida it's just like I, I need to see at least one other person like whenever I used to go into office at my job um on my team um there was this older black lady me and her look nothing alike. Aww. Nothing alike. Okay. Everyone assumed she was my aunt. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my gosh. Jeez. We were on the team together for like, I don't even know. Cause at some point we had to come into office at least like once a month for team meetings and stuff like that. It wasn't until like six months into us doing that, that they realized we're not related. Laura, they mm-hmm. nothing in Kansas City. I remember we were a class of like 50 something. And um out of all of us, eleven were black, but guess what? Ten were Kenyans. And then when I went for my for my BSN, because um, I did mine LPN, L- BSN, MSN that way. Um, but when I went for my BSN, it was Mid-American Nazarene. And same thing. It was all white people. All the black people were Kenyan. And- wow. <laughs> Interesting. I was going to say, it's funny. I'm going online for my classes right now. And the first thing I did was as soon as everybody turned their cameras on, I'm like looking for the black people. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it happened in high school. We were in high school. I, w- I had Spanish class. All of a sudden, I'm looking, and I'm like, um, because we had to sit in tables of four, and I'm over here like the whole table, mind you, four black of there's four of us, we all black, okay, and we all looked at each other like she really put all four black people in together at one table in the back. We cut up though. We had a good time at that black table. <laughs> then she sp- then she split us up. So I was like, oh well, <laughs> but that's funny. It's, like we don't I don't I don't mean to do it but I just do it just have you know it. what I mean yeah, yeah. no yeah yeah I, I honestly can't thank you ladies enough honestly thank you yeah, so much for taking the time and getting so deep with us and and talking in detail I, I really yes. think that this is and how perfect I'm in black history month so thank you ladies <laughs> thank you for so having us and sharing oh, with absolutely. us and I also I want to give a shout out to um Surrogate Sister Designs for actually collabing with me and actually making those shirts because uh, it really means a lot. Because I was like, we don't got no shirts. Like, Aww. you know what I mean? Like, they're cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just like, it's nice just to show and her to take the time. She even took the time to really like even ask, you know, black shop owners to help her out with some of the designs, which was I thought was like, smart idea and that's really kudos to you for actually yeah. reaching out and saying how would you do this and da, 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 you know so 
but yeah, I want to give a shout out to her just to, you know, but, but also another thing being a black surrogate, I'm like, because people always say, oh, but you're related to the baby. I'm like, these twins I gave birth to, they don't look a lick of black and you know, black people got features. So (laughs) they do. Yeah. I like saying that. <laughs> oh my God. You know, I had my baby with a covered face and uh, somebody texted me and asked me when the baby was going to turn black. Whoa. Somebody asked me when the baby was going to get darker. And that threw me off. I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah. And like, she said, yeah. well, the, the picture you posted, the baby looks white. I'm like, well, that's because they are white. Very yeah. Nordic. Oh <laughs> Very <Yeah>. Nordic. <laughs> Uneducated yeah. people, man. They give you a um, laugh sometimes. I will say that when they just are yeah. so on it, like I just have to laugh things. it off at this point. So I'm like, I really have to laugh at how stupid you are. Oh, for sure, for sure. But yeah, thank you for having us on. I'm sorry, could we forgot to talk all. Oh my god, no! I, I'm sorry <laughs> that we took so much of your guys this time. Thank yeah. you so yeah. much. Oh, it was yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> thank you guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so, thank you so much. Very nice. Have a wonderful night, ladies. Yeah. You as well. Bye, y'all. You. Bye. Oh my gosh, my mind is overloaded. I just did not know a lot of those stigmas were there, and a lot of ugh, it, sad. Like I just, it breaks my heart, and like, I like in a weird way, I want to like thank you. I know this is gonna sound weird, but like, I didn't grow up racist. Like, I didn't grow up. <laughs> as like mm-hmm. looking at skin color differently so to hear things like this and to hear my partner say things like the amount of information that is just like that that is constantly being thrown my way because I was just so naive blissfully naive to it all as a white woman in mm-hmm. America like a part of me feels stupid in not knowing this but then the other part of me is so is so thankful that I that I that I am blissfully naive in a sense because mm. I don't look at people like that. So to hear mm-hmm. that they're being so differently treated yeah. just to have a baby, are, are you gonna... kidding? Mm-hmm. Like what is different? It's not like they have this big superpower where they have no pain. Like it's insane. Everybody's pain tolerance, speaking from an, as a nurse, everybody's yeah. pain tolerance is different. Your six may be my eight, and that right. means I'm in way more pain and I'm gonna be more vocal about it than you are. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that we're both not experiencing the same type of pain. so you have to take every individual we all know this most people know this as just separate entities and just deal with that specific individual you can't just put them here and here and here and base them on different if each individual and the fact that when I was way younger yes I I did see color I did I was like oh that's but as I grew older Mm -hmm. The whole world started to change because there were more interracial couples. There were more sure, interracial sure. children. And I became, they were in my school. I mean, there some of them are my friends. And yeah. it just, it was non-existent anymore. So I right. think that's when we started to raise you guys. It was just non-existent. Mm-hmm. Like caring for gay couples. Not there are people. Thing. Yeah. Big deal. So it just, but, but a lot of families don't have that. It's it. And I hate yeah. to use the analogy black and white, but it is. That's uh, what and families it's look at. So heartbreaking. And it's very. because very what happened to Lauren didn't have to happen. Like, oh, God, no. Um, like, I know that's like an extreme case, but like, that's the perfect example of like what didn't have to happen. And that is the most awful thing. And I just, my heart. But the way they were talking, it just seems like this is more prevalent. And it's, it's, yes, that was an extreme case, but they're not, it just doesn't seem like they're listened to. That culture is listened to in the same regard that you and I 
Right. To be the white culture is listened to when we complain and yeah. not even complain, but just speak in general. And I, right. and I have a very, very hard time with that. And I'm not quite sure how to deal with it right now. Because well, right. And the thing that went mind. through my mind, we'll wrap this up. I know. But the thing that went yeah, through ahead. my mind when Lauren said that is, yeah. okay. And I put her in, I, I literally was like, oh crap. Remember yep. my last delivery? Like yep. I was like, on the verge and they were like no 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 and then I was like yes 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 and then you stepped in and were like no you're gonna check her now and it's like well but she Lauren kind of did that like Lauren was like no things are wrong and I'm telling you several times and things aren't getting taken care of so that like in a, in a weird way I I have this sense of like guilt as like why why would they treat me because me and my white mother said something like, right. are you kidding? Like, you didn't I, I just, racism will never make sense to me. And, like, and it just pisses me off. And and you didn't no have end. to go to the extremes of crying and working through yeah. your pain and going, hello, where I spoke up, said something. They went, oh, 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 for sure. Right. Went, oh God, here we go. Over there, it had a way different, way different outcome. And that just didn't have to happen. Didn't no. have to happen. No, it didn't. That goes to say for our society. So that's a whole nother thing that has to be opened up. But this was a start. So this was a great start. I'm yeah. Thank you so thank you, much, ladies. Oh Very my gosh. Funny. Yeah. Um, if anybody has any questions or stories that they would like to share, please feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at stop period sit period surrogate. And this has been another episode of Friday Facts Stops It Surrogate. Thanks, everybody. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give us a like and subscribe. Also, check the link to our YouTube channel in the description.